You're listening to our PAC Politics Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by our organization, our United Resource PAC. If you don't know, we are a tax-exempt political organization. Hi, guys. I'm your host, Brittany McDowell, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Today, we are going to do a fairly quick review of Biden's, or excuse me, President-elect Joe Biden's COVID uh, plan. Uh, This plan was discussed and kind of released yesterday, and so... What's the deal with this recently released COVID relief plan? Also, we've got a resource to help you find COVID testing sites near you. So let's go ahead. Let's dive in to today's show. This is Brittany. Just wanted to shoot you a quick reminder. Look in the description box of this episode and you can find a link to our website. On our website, you can find our latest blog posts. You can find our contact information. You even want to make a contribution, you can go over there and do that as well. You can find out the policies we are looking at and targeting as an organization. You know, I say all the time that we are a tax-exempt political organization. If you want to know more about that, Again, go on over to our website, our-pack.com, where you can find out everything you want to know. You can do everything you want to do. We will gladly, gladly, gladly welcome you on our website with open arms. Again, check out our website in the description box below. Let's talk about the $1.9 trillion plan, because that's exactly what President-elect Biden's COVID economic release, relief package, excuse me, uh, is going to cost the American taxpayers. Again, that's $1.9 trillion. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important to discuss about this plan and to be aware of in reference to this plan is not the stimulus checks, it's not the unemployment... Yes, that stuff is important, but that's not, I I think, one of the most important things that you need to uh, pay attention to and notice about his plan. The most important thing that many people need to be aware of uh, in regards to this plan is that it heavily focuses on getting the pandemic, on getting COVID under control. That's something that we didn't see in this, this this past year's effort or lack of an effort, whatever, however you want to look at it, by the current administration in their attempts to address, and I'm using air quotes, COVID-19. Um, in, in, in their efforts, we really didn't actually see efforts to tackle, to address, to eradicate COVID, right? And it's a serious issue. At this point in the United States, the COVID-19 death toll is literally like among the worst in the world. We have about 400,000, not 4,000, not 400, not 40,000. We have about 400,000 
thousand Americans who have needlessly, unnecessarily died from COVID. And here's the deal. I personally, out of those near 400,000, I know two people, two people who didn't get to spend Thanksgiving with their family, two people who didn't get to see Christmas, two people who didn't see 2021, who didn't come into this year with a hope that this year would be better than the trash from last year. Why? Because they were dead. Those are two people I know. I also know 29 people who have had COVID. Now, 27 out of the 29 have survived because I just told you two didn't, two are gone. So this COVID stuff is very real. And when I talk about COVID, I talk about it from a place of being someone who has personally been impacted. For me, this is not just some hypothetical. This is not just something that, yeah, our organization is focusing on. This is something that I personally can relate to. So if you are in either of those boats, whether you know someone who has had COVID and they've been lucky enough to survive, or you know someone who has had COVID and they have died, know that I personally can understand how you feel and what you were going through. And that for me, this is not just some sort of hypothetical situation. So getting back to this plan, um, one of the things that I want people to go into January 20th, which is the date on which our president-elect, Joe Biden, will officially become our president. One of the things that I want you to go into January 20th understanding is that as comprehensive as Biden's plan is, as we are about to discuss, and as much as it is different from what we've seen from this current administration in its attempts to actually address COVID and actually get it under control, he cannot, his administration cannot fully turn this around ASAP. He will get things under control. That I am certain of, okay? Um, but we, we need to understand that, look, he's not just going into this looking to address COVID. He has to on top of dealing with that problem, he has to clean up the mess that was left from the last administration. Is that an excuse? No. Does that mean that we need to allow him to never get under control, get it under control? No. Does it mean that it should take him four years of a presidency where he comes back saying, oh, I need four more years to get? No, that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is that you cannot say on January 20th, well, okay, our hope is here, our our Calvary is here, so in five days, this all be gone, in five days, every in next month, next, next week, you cannot do that. You will be doing yourself a disservice, and quite frankly, you will not be giving an adequate amount of time to address the massive issue, the massive problem that lies ahead for the Biden administration. Now, every president, uh, you know, if, if you've been living long enough where you have seen multiple presidents sworn in, you always hear about their first 100 days. 
And, you know, they always announce beforehand, okay, this is what I'm going to do my first 100 days. This is my plan. I'm going to cure cancer. I'm going to deliver all the babies. I'm going to clean up the entire environment all in 100 days, right? In 100 days, we get these really lofty, idealistic goals and plans. Am I saying that they shouldn't do them? No, because quite frankly, this, this, their first 100 day plans, it, it does set the tone for the remainder of their presidency. But when it comes to president-elect Joe Biden, his first 100 days, quite frankly, are going to be distinctly different than that of his predecessors and their plans simply on the basis, not because he's like some different dude, not because he has a whole bunch of, you know, different ideals or he's like dramatically different and, you know, what he wants for this country, but it's, it's simply based on what he is coming into office dealing with. When you look at, for instance, the last president that really had to come up with some radical and dramatic plan uh, for their first 100 days, that most recent president was President Obama. Why? Because of the economy that he was dealing with, right? Uh, and so even though he had this kind of, you know, super ambitious 100-day plan, it still does not rise to the same level of blah, of like, oh my goodness, oh my gosh, of what the heck am I dealing with that President-elect Joe Biden is being set up to deal with. So I want you to keep this in mind because, again, we've been hearing for, you know, the longest time, first 100 days, I'm going to get this out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to, and and again, hey, more power to you, do it. This is, this is kind of, you know, historically what presidents have done. They've come up with these 100-day plans. But again, considering what he's dealing with, not only do we need to be realistic, but he needs to be realistic. But when we look at his 100 days, yes, it is important. Yes, it will set the tone, as has been the case for previous presidents. But with him, one of the things that is really different here is that his 100 days really comes down to one thing. Most of the times what we have seen when presidents kind of come into their first 100 days under a new administration, they kind of have many different things that they're trying to do all at once. And most of those times, most, most of the times, those, those different things are kind of to cater to different factions of their party, you know, whether it's the faction that only cares about climate change, the faction that only cares about uh, abortion, the fact, the faction that only cares about this, right? Everybody has their own kind of agendas. Nothing is wrong with that because people, you, you, you kind of only come from your own experiences and you kind of, you know, determine what you can focus on based on that. But anywho, um, one of the things that's different about Biden here is he really can't afford to cater to everybody and what they want because what it's going to come down to for him is how well he does on COVID-19 and vaccinations. That's literally his only mission. Even like the, the, the various things he needs to do 
whether it's addressing the economy, getting COVID, it all comes back to COVID. Like it's it's not all about, you know, different different uh, segments of your party that you need to, like literally he's on a one track mission. So yes, this mission is more difficult, but in some ways it's a little easier because it's in, in some ways, and it's kind of weird saying this, given the environment that we're in, in some ways it's a little less political than other presidents have had to deal with. Because he, quite frankly, only has to deal with one thing, and that is getting COVID under control. Everything else, sure, is important, but it comes after this. Because if we don't get this under control, we won't be here for anything else. And so you can tell that he knows this. You can tell that his administration knows this. But I need you to know this. I need you to apply pressure. What do I mean by that? Make your voice known with your elected officials, whether it's, you know, calling them, writing letters, so on and so forth. Because as much as Biden and his administration know what kind of the ultimate goal is for this first 100 days, especially, he can't do this alone. He needs other elected officials to fall in line, whether it's at the federal level or your state or local levels. They have to fall in line with the mission here. And you need to express support to your elected officials that, yo, I need you to fall in line because Biden can't do this all alone. Kind of think about an example where you have, for instance, a house that's on fire, right? You have a house that's on fire and you have a fire department, people who've been hired to take care of that issue. Firefighters that come to the house that's on fire and you've got one fireman who wants to take the hose and put the house, the, the, put the fire out on the house. But then before they go to grab the hose to actually do what they've been hired to do, You've got other people who want to argue with them about various things. Oh, well, maybe we don't need a hose that big. Maybe we don't, you know, the time that they are using to sit on the sidelines while that house is burning to argue about whatever it is they're arguing about, whether it's the size of the hose, the amount of water to use, uh, when they leave, what the exit strategy will be. All that time is being wasted and allowing the fire to spread and get worse. And I bring this example up because if our elected officials at the state and local levels don't fall in line with kind of this national mission that is being set by President-elect Joe Biden, what we will have is a situation where Biden just continues and carries over from the last administration and the fire will get worse and forget about the impact that it will have on the, on the first 100 day plan mission objective of president elect Joe Biden. What this ultimately will do is set us up for failure, right? And we have to recognize this because in the past, uh, especially if you weren't necessarily a supporter of President Trump, you kind of looked at his failures and said, well, that's on him. That's his personal failure. But we can't afford to do that because our success, our success as an or as 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 a country is absolutely tied to the success of our president, whomever that might be. So I'm just putting that out there, okay? So what are the actual main components of 
this plan that Biden released that that actually seeks to target COVID, right? And again, I want you to remember that when we consider Trump and what he said and what he did regarding COVID, not just the economy, but COVID itself, the actual virus, he really just basically ignored COVID, right? So the fact that Biden has even released some sort of a plan to go ahead and address COVID is one dramatic difference in and of itself compared to the current administration. So now when I talk about what this plan is, I'm not going to talk about stimulus checks and unemployment. Yes, that stuff is important. I'm really just focusing here on the actual addressing of the virus, COVID the virus. What is what is the plan for the Biden administration? It's basically, there are a lot of components to the overall $1.9 trillion plan, but there are really just five things here that I want to mention that are different than what we have seen from the current administration. First and foremost, he has a vaccination plan. And his plan when it comes to vaccinations is to build like these mass vaccination centers and to send even mobile vaccination units to underserved areas. And vaccinations are going to be free. Now, for the most part, vaccinations have been free to this point. But we, you know, even though we've had the government purchase vaccinations and even though states have received, you know, amounts of vaccinations, we still have not seen an actual rollout of vaccinations. Um, you could actually, I'll address why we haven't seen that momentarily. Um, another thing that's different is, he has a plan to increase testing. Um, the government is going to be buying more rapid tests and they're going to be expanding lab capacity and actually supporting governments and schools when it comes to testing their populations. Another thing, he plans to build large, uh, this kind of large public health workforce. Uh, and, and it's kind of different. And it's not like your, like your doctors and nurses and stuff that you already have. What he wants to do is he wants to get this workforce of public health workers where they're going to do many different things. They're going to do testing. They're going to do some tracing because tracing has been an absolute failure in this country, right? Like, do we even trace? Like, it's just kind of like, where have you been? Um, tracing, they're going to help with tracing and they're going to help with vaccine outreach. And then the plan is once the, the pandemic kind of winds down, because ultimately that's what we're working towards, right? These people are going to transition into kind of a long-term public health role to, as Biden put it, improve quality of care and reduce hospitalization for low-income and underserved communities. Next on the list, one of the things that's different uh, when it comes to the Biden COVID plan is he wants to get emergency paid leave for workers. Now, we have already seen that, but he wants to extend that, I think, through September 30th. This is basically where the government is just going to say, hey, we're going to you know, advocate the providing of emergency paid leave for those that are currently employed. Uh, and then finally, one of the kind of uh, major things here that this plan focuses on when it comes to actually combating the virus is getting schools back open, which is part of combating the virus. But how, how do you, how you're telling me like Brittany, that, that getting a school open actually combats the virus. Yes, it does. When you give 
money to schools. And what he plans to do is give billions of dollars, not just to your K through 12 schools, but to colleges and universities. And they're going to be working towards us one common goal. And that goal is to not just reopen, but specifically your K through eighth grade, your, your uh, elementary and middle schools. He wants those open within his first 100 days. So is that all of his plan? No, it's not. But that is the majority of his plan that focuses on actually combating the virus itself. So the next question that I'd like to pose, the next and the final question I'd like to pose during this episode is if Congress will actually approve Biden's proposed economic relief package. A few different things that I want to point out here. The first thing is that kind of yet again, as was mentioned earlier, Democrats, when Joe Biden assumes office on the 20th, Democrats are going to control both houses of Congress. And they're absolutely something that will be dramatically different than what we've seen in this recent congressional session is that we will actually have votes happen in both chambers of Congress. You won't have something passed in the House and then get tabled in the Senate. Why? Because Mitch McConnell is no longer the Grim Reaper of the Senate. And so what we are actually going to see now is a situation where it is going to be up to the people it really should be up to, and that is the whips. The whips are going to have to whip up the votes that are needed to make stuff actually pass. So if you ask me for kind of like a guesstimation, I say that when it comes to the bill as it currently, or not the bill, when it comes to kind of like his proposed package, as we've currently heard it proposed, I guesstimate that there's like an 80% chance that we see something that actually passes exactly as he has proposed it. But the the main impediment that we have to this actually occurring is certainty. Certainty uh, of just simply not knowing how people are going to be likely to vote since we don't have any we don't have any previous behavior to kind of base things off of because the Biden administration has yet to technically be, right? We don't know how friendly or how hostile congressional people, congressional leaders are going to be to the agenda, to to the proposals of the Biden administration. And being that this is coming from the Biden administration, you can't say, well, oh yeah, well, you know, people historically have been this way or that way. Like we don't know. So again, there's just really uncertainty. So again, all I can say is that it's all up to the whips. How, how much whipping can they get to whip it? Right. Uh, So I, I, this is yet again, one of those situations where, I can't give you an exact, you know, oh, it's definitely, I don't know. That's one of the things I do not mind saying. I don't know. Now, something that's actually interesting to kind of point out as well 
is the fact that when you look at specific elements of this proposal from President-elect Joe Biden, a lot of this stuff is not new. Um, a lot of this stuff, whether it's, you know, vaccine, vaccination centers, whether it's, you know, more assistance for states, schools, more money for testing. If you really think back over the last few months, this is stuff that you've probably heard before. This is stuff that you probably have heard elected officials voice their their opinions about and say, yo, we need this, we need this, we don't need this. We, you know, so this is this is not some like new revolutionary thing that has never been heard of before that will be utterly mind-blowing to these people because they've been talking about it for months or they've been trying not to talk about certain aspects of it for months. You know, when you look at the Trump administration, they, if you had to kind of classify uh, their attempts to deal with COVID, and if you had to say, well, was it aggressive or not aggressive? The, the fact of the matter is that the Trump administration straight out declined more aggressive steps. Uh, and, and they chose to kind of take a path where, you know, we're not going to get the federal government involved. It's not really proper. We're going to kind of deviate everything to the states and you do what you want to do. And we're going to be, you know, kind of kind of hands off. You know, the federal government doesn't want diddly squat to do with diddly squat, right? That that was the Trump administration. That was COVID and Chiefs' plan when it came to dealing with COVID nineteen, right? Um, so again, it's not like Congress will have never ever heard of some of these things before, even if the Trump administration did not want to go along with it, even if his sycophants, his supporters that are in Congress did not want to uh, kind of pursue something with a more hands-on federal government type approach, even if they didn't enact it, they still have heard some of the stuff that, that we've heard mentioned in uh, Joe Biden's, uh, President-elect Joe Biden's actual um, proposed package. Uh, if anything, all I'm going to say is this. We have tried, as was just mentioned, we've tried this kind of hands-off approach. We've tried deferring to the states, and we've seen how that's panned out, Right? Um, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over and over again and expecting different results. We saw how this works. We've tried this way. We've tried having a way where there is no federal unity, no federal, there are no federal mandates. The federal government turns its back and says, go to all the states. Like we literally don't have anything to lose because we've already lost about 400,000 American lives that we did not have to use. The hands off, leave it to the states approach did not work. And if you ask me, politicians who are still at this point arguing for some sort of, you know, absolute authoritarian 
I'm going to call the shots. I got my big boy pants on type approach where don't tell me nothing because I control my people. If they are still arguing that, if we see these people who utterly don't want any assistance from the gov the federal government, unless it's convenient for them, right? When it, they don't want help in trying to save the lives of their constituents, they are not qualified to hold office. I don't think that somebody who wants to try something that we have been trying now for almost a year that has not been successful if they are still pressing for that, I don't think they're qualified. And if they do think that what we have been doing has been successful, they need to make that argument. What is their defini definition of success? Because what we're seeing ain't it. Under the Trump administration, there was never, ever, 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 if they wanna make any type of argument, there was never any support for states. What do I mean? Well, the states asked for about $8 billion specifically to help build an infrastructure where they could effectively and efficiently and expeditiously get vaccines into the arms of people, right? But what did the Trump administration do? They provided, they provided money, but they provided $340 million. States asked for $8 billion. Eight, eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nope, I went over, excuse me. They asked for $8 billion and they got $340 million. If you don't know, millions are way less than billions. So if they are going to make an, if you, if you have politicians who are still arguing for this whole Oh, well, let, let, let's the state, let the states just, you know, it should be in the hands of the states. You know, the federal government is too big. And if they are going to try that, if they are still going to argue that, they have to support President-elect Joe Biden's efforts from January 20th forward to actually give funding to states to get the vaccines out. Because you can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, look, we're not gonna give states money and, and what? And we're not gonna allow the federal government to help. And it's on the states to do it. If the states don't have the money how in the hell are they going to do it? They can't. But in the words of Mitch McConnell, let him go bankrupt, right? We, we can't have that. We can't have every state going bankrupt in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, there were many aspects of Biden's plan that did not have to do with the actual like vaccine itself, right? There was the stuff related to unemployment. There was a stimulus check. That stuff is important. But one of the things that is super important to understand is that the key difference when you really look at the nitty gritty of President-elect Joe Biden's plan, the key difference when compared to what we have been dealing with 
from the Trump administration, from COVID in chief, is that Biden actually is immediately looking to implement changes that involve the federal government, that involve the federal government saying, look, we're in this fight with you. Look, we're not just, you know, throwing you out there to the wolves. Look, we're not like the the federal government is here to help. And we have to have elected officials who are willing to let the federal government help. So when you ask the question, will Congress approve Biden's proposed economic relief package? I can't give you a yes or no. I can't say, oh, it's definitely going to go through. But I will say if we have effective whips, sure, possibly. But then at the same time, in what reality are these politicians living? In what reality are they living, especially if they are still arguing for the government, the federal government, to be removed from the efforts to stop this virus that has killed about 400,000 Americans. Joe Biden has it right on this, President-elect Joe Biden. And he is right in noting that the federal government must get involved in our fight against COVID-19. Hey, so I want to tell you about our email list. Our email list is one of the best ways that you can stay in touch with us. If you look in the description box of this episode, you'll find a link to join our email list. By joining our email list, you'll get access to updates about policy and politicians that we support and oppose. When we have events, you'll get to know about those events via emails. And we'll just generally share news with you. We won't spam your inbox, I promise. Uh, And also, we inform you of our newest podcast episodes, which come out Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, by the way. Anyhow, joining the email list is not only easy, but it is absolutely free. Look in the description box of this episode. You'll find the link. Click it. Give us your name and your email. That's all we need. And you'll be in. So, please... Join our email list and connect with us today. All right, thanks. If you don't know, COVID-19 tests are available at no cost nationwide at health centers and select pharmacies uh, under the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, Americans were essentially ensured that COVID-19 testing is free to anybody in the United States, including those of you who are uninsured. Today's resource that we are sharing with you on our episode today is a resource that will help you locate a COVID testing site near you. To access the resource, look in the description box of this episode. You'll find a link to join our mailing list. Join our mailing list as soon as you join it. Uh, you'll receive an email giving you access to the resource. Again, look in the description box below this episode. (laughs) 
All right, so that is our podcast episode for today, Friday the 15th of 2021. I'm still getting used to saying 2021, so I just had to say that one more time, 2021, because it sounds so weird. (laughs) Remember that on Monday and Wednesday, we are off on both of those days, and uh, we normally do our podcast Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So after today... You won't hear from me until next Friday, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of news in between now and then. Uh, So one way that you can make sure that you stay in touch between now and then is to join our email list, which is in the description box below. But if you choose not to, because you totally can, uh, just note that you won't hear me again until next Friday. I'll look forward to it. In the meantime, stay safe between now and then. Hopefully we will have no violence. Uh, You know, the big day, the 20th is coming up. So I will see you or you'll hear from me two days after the inauguration. I had thought about doing some sort of special inauguration episode since we're off, even though we're off. But we're off. So I'm taking the day off because we're doing it for inauguration day. But uh, I'm I'm not doing that. I'll see you Friday. (laughs) Anywho. That's my phone. That is my sign to end it. You have a good day. I know I will enjoy your weekend. Stay safe. Wear your hazmat suit, please, because this stuff is serious. All right. Have a good day, and thank you so much for listening to our Pack Politics Podcast.